Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. So, good. so we've been doing a series in our church called Discover Jesus. It's off the back of, I guess, the whole COVID, uh, the COVID thing and the way the world's changing and what's happening. And, and you know, it's been an interesting time. I've preached in your church in a school gymnasium. Yeah. Was the last, that was the second to last time. Before that, it was a in your lounge room with pillows on the wall and lights set up and a camera in front of me. And now here in this place, C3 Hillsong. (laughs) (laughs) And there is still an online camera. There's a camera right there. Good morning, everyone watching online. Good to see you. So anyway, um, so Discover Jesus. The point is I've been married 21 years and in any relationship, there is always going to be more new levels of discovery for all those married couples here. You would understand that no matter how long you've been married, you will learn more things about your partner as life goes on. You might think you know them before you get married. You think you know them in that first year of marriage. And then 21 years later, you're like, I did not know that about you. So <laughs> it's the same with our relationship with Jesus, basically. It is, there is a always like new levels of learning about God and I, I feel like God is always going to reveal different aspects of his personality to us and so I want to read a scripture out, it's a favourite one if you've got a Bible or a phone, why don't you grab it and read this with me it's in Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 you might know it, it says when Jesus or we'll use this when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, can anyone else say that name? There's unity right there. Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, "Who do people say the Son of Man?" Hang on, let me just do something. Yeah, this one. Have you got it on the screen? Yeah, you do. Good. All right. <clears throat> Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So a little note there, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon means reed shaken by the wind. It basically means a shifty character. Simon is a movable, shifty, like what he's the opposite of consistent. That would be that if you were going to be a reed, you're easily moved, you're easily swayed in your opinion. So he's not, he's not like a solid type guy. He's not too sure of his, of his opinion. In this moment, though, Simon, Mr. Shifty, has a sudden realisation well, hang on a minute, I know the answer to this question. Jesus just said, who do people, that's what Jesus wants to know, he wants to know in this region, who do people say that I am? And if you're in the world and if you're on Facebook, you will realise a lot of people have a lot of opinions about a lot of different things. You just log on and you can find everyone's opinion on there. Jesus is interested to know what the opinion is on what people think or say that he is. He's not even sure if his disciples know who he really is. Hence, he's asking them, guys, out of everyone that knows who I am, I want to know what people say. And they give him, well, this is what people say. 
And, and the, the, it's blurred. It's like some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're a prophet, some say you're a good guy, some say you're someone. We don't really know. It's so varied, the opinion on who you are. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Okay, this is good. Who do you say that I am? That's, that's, what, that's where the, 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 it goes. I want to know what you think. So a great thing to like in church to ask yourself, who do you say... This is where it all, this is the whole message really, you're getting it in the first five minutes. Who do you say that I am? That's, because everything else on, on decisions that you're about to make, I hope you make some decisions today to serve God at a, at a different level, but it, it all comes down to who you say God is. And that opinion is so very, and I'm, in fact, if we went around this room this morning, I'm pretty sure if we asked all individuals, There'd be a different level of conviction or a thought on who... I've heard recently, you know, people are trying to figure out their work-life balance and balance in life, and I've got to figure out my balance. And, and like, thoughts like that, you know, like, where does... I, I had a conversation with a girl the other day. She's like, I'm just trying to figure out where church fits in my life. I'm just trying to figure out where God fits. It's like we've got we've got a little box here for this and a box for that and a box for this. And, and like, and there's a, so there's, she's got, like, a different obviously idea or concept on who she says yeah. Jesus is. That's right. So, yeah, just sounded weird that. <laughs> anyway, so um, so the question to us though is who do you say, you as an individual, who do you say Very good. that I the son of Now you've got to just picture the whole thing here because they're, they're walking along. Jesus is getting, uh, he's getting like persecuted if you like by the by all the religious people. Basically, he's getting persecuted by religious leaders, pastors, people like me, because we don't like the way Jesus appears. We don't like the package that he's, that he's coming. He's not a normal church-going type person. He's, he's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with tax collectors. He's hanging out with people that we think he shouldn't be like that. He shouldn't be with those people. Those people are drinking. They're doing that. He's with prostitutes and like he's hanging... Not with prostitutes. You, know, you understand what I'm... He's hanging out with people that we think are not up there proper people. Yeah. And so the, 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 the Pharisees are literally trying to figure out ways to kill him. So much so that he decided to leave Jerusalem and he's on his way to, back to Galilee to Caesarea, Philippi, and it's on the way back to Galilee because he, he realises I've got to get out of Jerusalem because otherwise it's not my time yet to be killed. So they're walking, they're walking, right? They're walking, it's dusty, it's dry, he's tired, they're walking. The disciples are following. The disciples are following and they're trying to, the disciples are trying to figure out who's more important out of all the, the 12 of them. Where do I sit? Lord, when you come into your kingdom, will I be at your right? Will I, well, if you're at the right, I'll be at the left. And if he's at the left, can I be like two sides to the right? I want to be as close to Jesus as possible when we get there. Like, where will I? Like, this is the conversation of the disciples. They're interested in, like, position and status, and they think Jesus is going to set up a kingdom, and they're all going to leave, and they're going to kill the Romans, and it's going to be awesome, and somehow he's going to send lightning bolts, and all the Romans are going to die, and they got no idea. And so he's, he's frustrated, Jesus, when I say he's fully God, fully man, he's frustrated as he's walking along, realizing that people don't know who I am, what I am, what I represent. Do my disciples even know who I am? What? And as they walk into Caesarea Philippi, the, the Caesarea Philippi is known to be one of the greatest like uh, worshiping of idols that there is in the Bible. So you've got one of them was called the God of Pan. It was basically the God of Nature. And you've, so you've got to imagine as you walk into Caesarea Philippi, you've got all these monuments and idols everywhere set up. 
and you've got people everywhere worshipping different idols. Some of them are worshipping nature. Some of them are worshipping cars. Some of them are worshipping houses. Some of them are worshipping lifestyle. Some of them are trying to figure out work-life balance, where Jesus fits in my life. We're all worshipping something. Jesus is trying to figure out who you say I am. What do you worship and where do I rate on your thing? He's seeing all these images, all the idols, all the stuff that ever, and so he's like, the Pharisees are trying to kill me. There's idols everywhere. There's worship. You know what? Like idolatry in the Bible is literally an idol. It's when we put something above God. God calls it idolatry. He says it's become an idol. It's become something that you worship more than God. And God goes, I want to be the number one thought on your mind. The number one thing that you think about when you wake up is that you worship worship God. So this is going to get interesting for us, isn't it? If you think about the God of nature, the God of Pan, or whatever they were calling it back then, and we all here in the beautiful Sunshine Coast, Noosa, lifestyle plus, like it's just, I mean, we come here, and I literally, I, my whole, like, tiredness level, just I just get tired when I get here. I don't know what it is, like, so we were walking down the beach yesterday, and then all the birds chirping, and that humid air, and you've got the birds, and then the sun, and then the waves, and, and it's just like, we're just like, it's like, it's like some, it's like a drug, we're all done drugs, kids, but it's like a, it's just like this relaxing, awesome, oh, this is so good, I just want to lay on the beach and go to sleep, it's like the the God of Pan, the God of Nature. And so it's all these deals that, and we all, I'm not saying that I'm any different. Like, it's keeping up with the Joneses. It's, I've got to get a better house, I've got to get a better car, I've got to get a better lifestyle. And then, and you think you've got a good car until then. My brother, he just bought this like old Ford Capri, but it's got like this fully worked V8 engine in it. And it's, it's literally a street legal drag machine. And I don't actually like it, but I went for a drive in it. And then after I went for a drive in it, I was like, I want one. And it was just like, just because it's awesome. And imagine, like you can't drive it anywhere. It's useless for everything. But it's just like Cindy pulled a muscle in her neck in it. Because at first it's like, wah, 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 wah. And you're just like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm just going to get one. And so... All these things. You feel like your house is good until you go to your neighbor's house and their house is better than your house. It's like, oh, look what they've got. They've got a water feature. We need a water feature. I like the way the water feature sounds. It's like it is relentless and it never ends. And then you get onto this wicked little thing, onto Instagram, and you feel like you were having a good day until you saw someone else's good day. Recently, Cindy was in the in the supermarket and she's... Um, a girl came up and she's like, oh, you and Tim have been away? And Tim's like, uh, no. She goes, oh, but I saw you on a jet ski with dolphins and stuff. It looked amazing. And Cindy's like, I oh, know that. We were just like out the front of where we live in, in Adelaide, like literally took the jet ski out for an hour and a half. And the reason for that was because on a Friday night, we were sitting at home with no friends, <laughs> nothing to do, like bored. I was on Instagram looking at everyone else's awesome life. And so I said to Cindy, all right, tomorrow we're taking the jet ski out. I'm videoing some dolphins and I'm putting that thing on Instagram because <laughs> I want to be in there and make other people think that my life is just as good. Like, you just, you don't want to be into it, but suddenly it's like you're, you're sucked into the whole. Um, and so it's context, right? Yeah. 2,000 years later. Who do people say that I am? 
Okay, let's keep let's keep reading. You are the Son of God. Peter says it. Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and this, this is a really important part of it. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This is the spiritual transaction moment where you realize that it's not a it's not a natural transaction. Flesh and blood, something natural in the world did not reveal this. Something else has happened. But my Father who is in heaven, that's where the revelation came from. It came from God. Jesus goes on to say, and also I say to you that you are Peter. The name Peter, Greek Petros, means rock. I will build my church. The gates of Hades, so the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm just going to keep reading because it's, it's all important. Then he commanded his disciples they should tell no one that he was Jesus Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You've got to have guts to take God aside and rebuke God. Like, somehow now you're smarter than God. Like, God, you've got this wrong. I know you created the heavens and the earth and the universe. I know you created us. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, but you've got this wrong. Let me just put it right for you. This is what Peter's doing. Rebuking God. Saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Is that up on the screen? Yeah. That's full on. Yeah. One minute you're blessed, now you're Satan. Imagine how confusing it must be following Jesus. But I thought it just a minute ago I was the blessed guy. Now you're calling me Satan. <laughs> it goes, it gets better. Not only are you Satan, you're an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What were we just talking about before? Instagram, lifestyle, all the stuff. You, and he's saying it. You are not mindful of the things of God. What, what I'm saying, it's going to be harder in our generation to maintain a mindfulness of the things of God when we're so surrounded by the things of men. Yeah. And it's, it's getting more and more opulent and luxurious and in Australia, and it's not a bad thing. We are 100%. We are a blessed nation. Like it's, It is a blessing to live in this nation. But what this is this point. One minute, it's like you've heard this from heaven. You're blessed. On this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against this. Peter, you are Petros. You are rock. You are solid. You are... And then the next, the very next sentence, like a paragraph later, now you're Satan. Do you see that? And, and he's pointing out to him because this, this temptation, if you like, is going to happen to all of us. And in this moment, this even seems right. Peter's like popping his chest out. and He's like, far be it from me, Lord, you're not going to die. I'm going to be there to protect you. We're going to set up our kingdom on the earth. It's going to, like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy. And in that moment, it's so close to the truth. Like, it seems right, and that's the, the seductiveness of the devil. The, the Bible says, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities, powers. There's these wiles and strategies, these, these subtle 
subtle life changes where it's like you don't even realize the subtlety of the little strategies the devil puts in place and you were on the right track and within a moment, within a sentence, within a within like a little life decision, like this one little, I'm not going to go to church today. Yeah. Why do you have to go to church anyway? I mean, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Like, I mean, seriously, you can watch online now. Why even show up? I need to get fed somewhere else. I can get it off YouTube. I can get it off this. Why even? It, like... And then you're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, no, you probably, you know, no, you probably don't need to go to church. Well, you're probably still saved. I mean, are you, you saying I'm not saved if I don't go to church? Like, because you can still believe in God, not. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah well, you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, who am I to. Like, it's just this, these. And it's not a. They're subtle little, little decisions that we make along the way, and it's just suddenly. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Amanda. <laughs> I'll give you your 20 bucks after. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, it's just, it is, this is good, but it is literally just the Bible. I'm just, it's all I'm doing. I'm reading the Bible to you, so. Um, then Jesus said to his disciples, okay, this is full on. He says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit it is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. This is all of us. This is going to happen. He's... Jesus Christ is going to come in the glory of his Father with angels. He's coming back. Every single one of us, we've got this, these, like, what, 80, 90 years life. We're going to be doing some stuff. We're going to be making some decisions throughout this time. At some point, every one of us individually are going to stand in front of God and on that day give an account for what we did with the life that we were given. Yeah. Wow. And, like, and it's a... It's a scary thought when when you realise how like how hard it is to to maintain and to stay on track when we can be led astray so so easily and so subtly throughout life just by these little little moments where Pe- like Peter he thought he had it so correct and then all of a sudden it's like no you're Satan. That's a horrible thing to say to someone, by the way. I wouldn't go out and be having lunch with someone later on and you say, pass me the sauce, and they say, no, you got to say it. Like, Whoa. But you got to understand that Jesus has got literally 12, 12 people and he's walking along and he's coming into this city and, and all of the idol worship and the religious people and, and all of it is like this, this boiling pot of intensity, and so Jesus is probably a little concerned, have these guys got enough grip to go the distance in a world that has just gone nuts? Have these guys got the tenacity and the heart? To st- so it's important, i gotta, I got to ask you at some point, guys, as we go on this journey, because you're going to see some crazy stuff, you're going to see me get nailed to a cross, you're going to see me bleed and die, and, and I need to know right up front who you say I am. Because of, 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 of who you think I am or what you say out of the heart the mouth speaks, who, who am I? You are the Christ. 
You are the son of the living God. You are the Lord. You are the redeemer. You are the mighty. You are the savior of the earth. I need to know that's who you say I am. I need to know that I'm number one in your life because if I'm not number one, you're not going to go the distance. And in that moment, blessed are you, Peter, on this little portion. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father who is never on this rock, I'm going to build my whole church and the gates of hell will not prevail against a person that's got revelation about who God is. The gates of hell cannot even prevail against that. All I need is one person to say who I who he is. That's the revelation. If you say, I, he is the son of God. I'm prepared to lose my life. I'm prepared to take up my cross. I'm prepared to make sacrifices and make decisions on that thing. This is... It blows my mind. On that, he's got these 12 people. And out of those, all as I know, if, if you 12 can get it, you can change the world. But understand this, it's not going to be easy because there are so many subtle little distractions in life that will take away from that, that thing. I remember when we first, I, I became a Christian at 20 years old. And, you know, I was like all in just for all of it. It's like, we're in it. And um, we, were, we moved back to New Zealand, and my uncle runs a swimming with dolphin business. He, they take people out swimming with dolphins. Like, it's amazing. And, but like any job, if, once you've done it for a while, you hate it. <laughs> so you'd be on this boat. I was a tour guide on the boat. You'd have, like, 13 swimmers. There'd be, like, sometimes three or 400 dolphins out off New Zealand, like these massive mountains. It was like, it's, it's, it's like, and people get on the boat, and, oh, you must love your job. <laughs> You've got the best job in the world. You just must love getting up every morning. We do three trips a day, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 1 p.m. I'd tell the same thing, talk every day. I'd hear the same jokes every day by the tourists and the same thing. It was like, for two years, it was on repeat. I was like, I hate this job. And I don't like dolphins anymore. <laughs> I, I still like dolphins. But it was like like anything. But in that little town, there was we, there was this church, and and like we Cindy and I obviously wanted to go to church. We're brand new Christians, and there was we were the youngest people in the church, twenty years old. There was no one else in the church our age, and but like we were like cool. I went to the pastor. We've been there about six months. I went to the pastor. Said, Can we do something for the young people? He's like, what are you thinking? I said, like, I don't know, but like, I, I want to read my Bible and I want to get to know God better. Can we do something? He's like, yeah, well, sure. What are, you, what are you thinking? So we started, we called it the All Fired Up group. <laughs> we were going to be all fired up for Jesus. And we even had like a song. All fired up for Jesus. It was, it was good. So we sent out the brochures and night one there were three of us. Me, Cindy, and this other weird guy. <laughs> and we sat around and we read our Bible and then we told some other and then so the next week there was like there was like four or five of us and within like three months there's like thirty people in this person's lounge room. And like we would just sit there and like the messages like the pastor would help me write these like hellfire and brimstone, repent and die. And I don't know why they, people kept coming back, but somehow they they liked it. And like, but the point was, you could not wait to get back to the next Wednesday night. Like, there was something. There was more people coming, and then there was like, there was something happening. Like, you you didn't miss a Wednesday night, and it was every Wednesday. Not like now. It's like, can we get you to, you know, maybe you could serve monthly. We don't want to put any pressure on you. But this is like every Wednesday, and you want, and then. Every Sunday, if you missed church, you were an idiot. Yeah. 
<laughs> because like there would be something good that would happen. I remember this one Sunday night service. Like, it was, like honestly, it was just it was awesome. Brand new Christian, well, six months in, and there's this, the pastor. There's a young guy that came forward. I'd never prayed for anyone in my life, but the pastor said, "All you got to do is you say in the name of Jesus, and then you pray whatever you want to pray." So I'm like, "Okay, got it." And what else do I do? He goes, "You put your hand on them." I'm like, okay, hand on. In the name of Jesus, what can possibly go wrong? <laughs> and so, young guy comes up, and the pastor goes, oh, "Tim, you pray for this guy." I, mean, I remember today he was like quite tall, taller than me, had this like kind of this bowl cut, and 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 he was standing there, and he's like, "Come forward and pray." I was on the front row, so I was like, "Tim, you come pray for this guy." So I've, I've walked up to pray for him, and in my head, I'm going, okay. "I say, thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, hand on. Thank you, Lord, hand on." I got it, I got it, I got it. All right, here we go. Thank you, Lord. And, then I, and I remember I opened my eyes and I looked at the guy in the eyes. And as I, was, I went to say, thank you, Lord, in the name, and as I was about to put my hand on the guy, and I'm looking at him in the eyes, I kid you not, his eyes rolled back in his head. Like, I just saw the whites of his eyes. His eyelids started flickering, like, His face contorted and went to this weird, like, I'm like, I've never, I was like, what? Then he pushed me. It's not, he literally just went like, it was white, I lit, poof. And so I just went flying backward. And like, I landed on the ground back here. I'm looking up at it, like, what is going on? And the pastor who was there, who knew about, you know, deliverance and demons, obviously, but he was there. And the pastor just looked over and the pastor said, in Jesus' name, stop it. And the guy dropped to the ground. And so then I was on the ground. That guy was on the ground. And I was just like, this is awesome. What's going to happen next week? There's like, there would be stories like this all the time. Like, you did not want to miss it. Anyway, I've got to wrap this up. It's all about who you say he is. I'm saying this because I was talking to a girl in our church recently. And I said, you know, hey, when, when my parents got saved, you, you became a preacher. When, when dad got saved, like people went into the ministry, you became a preacher, you became a pastor, you were, you were keen to be a leader, you were keen to do something. And, and I said to this guy, I said, we've got to get back to this next generation, that we get that fire back on the next generation. And she looked at me and she said, no, Tim, that's, that doesn't happen anymore. I was like, no, I know, I know that doesn't happen anymore, but I feel like that's what we've got to do because what's going to happen to the next generation? She goes, I know, but you're referencing your dad's generation. This generation is different. We don't do, it's not like that anymore. People are time poor. They've got lifestyles. They've got families. They've got stuff. That's what you're talking about doesn't happen anymore. And I just got really upset. I just thought, why not? Why doesn't that happen anymore? And then what's what's happened to us, the crew, the disciples? Like, how does it work? And why? And I know that seems impossible. And also, it's the same. In our, if, if I ask someone to serve on a team like monthly, and then they cancel that month, and it's like, where where is the, the grit? And we're off the back of this whole deal and COVID and whatnot, and it's like it's all good. But I think this is this they talk, call it the, the great reset. This can be a great reset. It can be a great reset for us as individuals to go in our own heart and life. Who do we say that he is? And what does the next twelve months look like for us? And what are we prepared to do? 
Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.